With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Calvin Valentine. Just Welcome to the KO Show with your host, Noah Kone and Oliver Maroney. Produced by Calvin Valentine. At Calvin Valentine on Twitter and at Gravity Hits on Twitter and Facebook as well. Also sponsored by Zodcast.com. Use the promo code MBA for 50% off your first order. All right, and welcome to another edition of the KO Show. Oliver Maroney with you, and as well, Ben Golliver of Sports Illustrated. What's going on, Ben? Not too much, Oliver. I'm in Oklahoma City right before Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. The Thunder just wrapped practice. You know, they're pretty loose and confident for a team that got smoked in Game 2. So that was interesting to kind of see. You know, I think maybe losing to San Antonio so big in that second round and just coming back and and stealing that series – uh, yeah, maybe that gave them a little bit of confidence. But uh, other than that, we're just kind of hanging out and chilling and waiting for game three on Sunday. Yeah, it's interesting. And the days off, um, I know the NBA finals, uh, it's a little bit different as far as days off are, are concerned. Um, who do you, for Oklahoma City specifically, um, what do you think the best thing for them to do going into this game three would be? I mean, what, what do they need to work on? What do they need to uh, improve upon? They got a lot of adjustments they have to make, don't they? I mean, yeah. game, two, game two really got away from them. Uh, Billy Donovan's message was pretty simple. He thought for the first quarter and basically, you know, three quarters of that second quarter, uh, so, you know, we're talking like the first you know, 22 minutes of the game or so, he thought they were right there and doing everything they needed to do. They were sure. executing well enough offensively. Their defense was kind of keeping containment. Yes, Kevin Durant had a bunch of turnovers, but they were still scoring pretty efficiently, and their defense really wasn't letting anybody really go off. You know, Steph had a nice first quarter. Uh, yeah. but they basically had the Warriors kind of where they wanted them. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a big run right before halftime, and then Steph came out and blew the game open in the third quarter, and all of a sudden it's ugly, and, you know, they kind of waved the white flag early. So I think his, his message was mostly uh, not radical changes, uh, but – Closing quarters better, like they have to in that second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, uh, doing a better job of always knowing where Steph is. You know, a lot of those big guys lost contact with Steph on screen. So, you know, he's popping out for wide open three-pointers because he's got a nice screen set. None yeah. of the bigs have a hand in his face. Uh, that was a huge point of emphasis. And then offensively, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Robertson and, and how they basically don't have to guard him. Uh, I thought, you know, Billy Donovan and the Thunder players, they really try to defend Robertson and just basically say, look, like, we're still executing. KD's still scoring, you know, yeah. big-time points in the first half. Despite that strategy, uh, that's not really the issue. And, and they want him to take those shots when he's open. They also want him to kind of attack from that corner if there's time on the shot clock, uh, you know, try to get to the free-throw line or try to break down the weak side defense. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't sound like they had a ton of offensive, you know, vast philosophy changes i'm sure they're going to hope for more from russell westbrook he had kind of a quiet game too sure Uh, i think most of their focus was defensively and just trying to keep better track of steph curry 
uh, and then closing quarters better. Definitely, yeah. How impressed have you been thus far from the Thunder? I mean, uh, in the season, they just looked uh, – it was up and down, man. I mean, I just – I felt like they were really, really inconsistent, and I felt Billy Donovan didn't have too much of a change from what Scott Brooks was doing. Um, but as far as the playoffs are concerned, uh, you've got to be impressed, right? Well, they beat the Spurs, so yeah, you got to give them a lot of credit for that. And they, they didn't yeah. just beat them. I mean, they overwhelmed them by the end of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's big time. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's tough because they're going against a 73-win team in the playoffs. And, and the Warriors are so good at making everybody look mortal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, after game one, they didn't really look focused. Golden State didn't. And you knew they were going to have this big bounce-back performance where they really just go nuts and, and ratchet things up. And when they did that, they left the Thunder in the dust. I mean, Golden yeah. State's defense really took away a lot of what uh, Oklahoma City is trying to do. Uh, sure. They won the rebounding battle. So, you know, that one really obvious advantage, that got nullified. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you look at just stopping Steph. I mean, that's the key to the, to the yep. beating the Warriors every single time. And if you're letting him go off for 17 points in a quarter, 12 points in 82 seconds, you're not doing your job. So uh, I would say I'm impressed with Oklahoma City. I picked them to push this to 70 games. I thought Golden State would win it in seven. Uh, after watching game two, you know, if that level of excellence from Golden State continues, I think we're probably looking at a six-game series. Uh, and I think Golden huh. State, after that game two, is now pretty in pretty full control. I know they don't have home court advantage, uh, yeah. but I think they really reestablished their dominance uh, with that game two performance. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's the case here. I think it's going to be a good series, but Golden State should be able to win this. Um as far as the Eastern Conference goes, I know it's been pretty much uh, a bore fest over there uh, as far as Toronto-Cleveland goes. Um, I've been really unimpressed with the way Toronto has played, and uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are part of that, but I also think the role players they have haven't really stepped up to the amount that they should have. Um, what's your impression on just the Raptors overall, and then what do they need to do to get better? <laughs> well, it's sort of like, you know, you can sw- you can be a really good swimmer in a swimming pool, but then you go out to the ocean, you got sharks chasing you, and now all of a sudden you can't swim anymore. And that's really <laughs> what's happening with the Raptors. I mean, they're just in over their heads. I mean, let's be honest. Like, yeah. You know, they, they didn't really beat very good teams in the first two rounds. They gutted out no. those series. They did enough. Yep. But now you're going against a really legitimately good team. And that's yeah. been the story of the Eastern Conference these last couple of years. I mean, there just hasn't been that number two team we've harped on it over and over again. And now Toronto's in that role of like, hey, mm-hmm. we're pretty good, but we're not great. And we're going to get smoked by LeBron, especially a fresh LeBron. And I think that's the biggest story from these Eastern Conference finals is, boy, LeBron James is popping off the court. You know, I mean, yeah. he's really getting up. Uh, he's dashing out in transition game two. I don't know if you saw that steal he had. I mean, oh. he, went, he went from basically the baseline <laughs> to half court. It felt like in about a second and a half when he was taking yeah. up and he's rocking the cradle on the reverse dunks. I mean, give me a break. This is like 25-year-old LeBron James. Yep. So good luck, DeMar DeRozan. You know, whatever. It's yeah. not, not going to happen. So I don't think we need to kill Toronto too much. I think this is still a pretty positive season for them. Obviously, it's sure. the best season in franchise history. Uh, they came in facing a big-time fatigue uh, deficit. You know, playing 14 yeah. games versus playing eight games is really tough. Mm-hmm. And then letting LeBron rest for however long he was resting for more than yeah. a week, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. So, uh, to me, this Eastern Conference Finals is all about Cleveland playing great, clicking at the right time. It's not really about Toronto. I mean, Toronto's there, but, you know, they're, they're kind of the, playing the Washington Generals role at this point. You know, they're not really the show, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Definitely. And then, so just a potential finals matchup here, Golden State, Cleveland, who would you take at this point and this current moment in time? And how many games do you think the series goes? 
I think the biggest X factor in deciding that question is how long does the Western Conference Finals take? Because if you yeah. come in and you're Cleveland, you sweep the Raptors and you're sitting for a week and you're completely rested and Golden State's like throwing haymakers for seven games with Oklahoma City and now they have to turn around and yeah. uh, play a motivated Cavaliers team, that's something that you really can't control. I think if we're giving Golden State a reasonable amount of rest, I think they could still win that series in six or seven games. I think it's going to be much more competitive than last year's, no question about it. But I also think you really the key when you're watching the Cavaliers is to realize they're not playing good teams. Like they're not sure. playing elite defenses. And Golden State's got all the parts you would need to try to slow down what Cleveland's been doing offensively. They can protect the rim. LeBron's yeah. been unbelievable at the rim. You know, he didn't really do that in last year's finals, not nearly as much as he has this postseason. Certainly. Because you're going against guys like Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut, who just take that away. Yeah. And then on the perimeter, uh, you know, if you're guarding Steph Curry and Clay Thompson in practice, you know how to guard the perimeter. You know, the three-point shooting stuff, that's not going to be as easy uh, going against a team like Golden State that rotates through those guys yep. uh, during the practice session. So definitely, I think Cleveland's in a position where it's kind of going to have to be forced to go from third year to sixth year uh, yep. you know, real quick after these three conference finals, whereas, you know, Golden State's already going to be in fifth. Uh, and I think that adjustment, as long as they have a reasonable amount of rest before the finals, is going to be enough to kind of carry them over. Uh, I think there's going to be kind of a shock factor for the Cavaliers once they get into the finals and they realize what they're up against. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really intrigued by this Cleveland Cavaliers team because they were just so up and down all season long. And I don't I don't I still have a problem. I still have like a a hunch about Tyron Lue and I don't know why it just you know it's it's sitting in the back of my mind that they just they can't get it done like elite elite defense wise I think is the the issue there I think in Cleveland for my for my take on it but um well so what are you worried about he's gonna pull David Blatt and call a timeout when he doesn't have one or he's gonna have the wrong lineups in or what's the wrong, wrong line yeah wrong lineups in especially with the death line of the Warriors I, I that's that's really the key I think and, and that's the problem I think any team faces when they face Golden State is not just the death lineup, but just the way they can rotate their players and how Kerr makes those adjustments and makes those matchup changes. I just don't know if Tyron Lue has the coaching IQ or ability to be able to continually rotate those guys and knowingly figure that out in a seven-game series. But I don't know. We'll have to find out. No, I like what you're saying. I think the real interesting kind of finesse situation for Ty Lue yeah. He's going to be, you know, he's been kind of stroking the Kevin Love ego for these last few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if Kevin Love can't stay on the court defensively yeah. against the Warriors? <laughs> and now yeah. you're, you're the guy who's been saying, hey, Kevin, like, we're running things through you. We're <laughs> making sure you're involved. We're going to get you your touches. You're playing great. But now you have to turn around, and, and it's game three of the finals, and you have to ditch Kevin Love because he yep. can't stay against the, the small yep. ball stuff, and he can't protect the rim are you going to be able to sell that and still keep him positive? You know, it's almost like a situation, you know, with David Lee, you know, the Warriors kept him engaged last year where, you know, he basically loses his job, gets completely swagger jacked by Draymond Green. And now he's just a scrub, right? But during the finals, they decide, Hey, we need David Lee. They call on David Lee and boom, he's right in there ready to make an impact. Right. You could see a situation kind of similar to that with Kevin Love, where he's like this big time player. They decide, well, you're not one of our best five. So you're not going to close the game because we have to go small to match up yeah. with uh, Golden State. But then at some other point in the next game, we need to plug you in there, and we need you to give us 20. Uh, exactly. You need to do that. I think it's a big test for Kevin Love uh, yep. or any player with as big of a, you know, a, a kind of a profile as he has. And then, like you're saying, I think it's going to be a great test for Ty Lue as well. 
Yeah, I'll be really intrigued. Ty Lue has just been such a question mark for me all season long. Well, since he – not all season, but you know what I mean. Since he took place inside of Cleveland. So that's an interesting task. The other thing I'm just kind of curious on, your take on uh, the coaching carousel that's going on right now. I mean, Jeff Hornacek in New York. Um, you've got, obviously, associate head coach Jay Triano in Phoenix now. Orlando locks up Fogel. Um, which of the hires are you most intrigued with? Which of the hires are you most impressed with? Um, well, I think I got to be impressed with Phil Jackson, not just hiring Kurt Rambis. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. Uh, not only does he go if that was his choice, his, yeah, not that, <laughs> he went outside of his uh, his fave five, so that's mm-hmm. good. He went outside of his coaching tree, and he went outside of potentially the triangle offense, and all those sure. were like gigantic questions. Yeah, and he he went to a guy who just basically got fired because he couldn't control his locker room. So he's you know Phil Jackson's kind of sticking his neck out here a little bit with that hire, but I actually yep. think. Hornacek is a, uh, you know, I think he's a, a very competitive guy. He's fiery. He's a good communicator with the media. Yep. I think he's obviously very knowledgeable, very smart. I think that's probably why he connected with Phil Jackson. It's it's interesting that, you know, their relationship goes back. Basically, you can go all the way to the 97 finals, you know, and both sure. guys. And that's kind of cool from his, his historical standpoint. Yep. The big question to me, though, is does his style or does what he wants to do fit with New York's personnel? And then if, yeah. he, if, if he can't keep Markeith Morris happy, can he keep Carmelo Anthony happy? You know, I mean, yeah. you're dealing with a bigger ego in, in Anthony than you've had at any point during your son's tenure. So I think that's a, a real question mark. And then also he wants to play fast, usually get up and down, have the guards pressured. They don't have any guards who can do that. And then a guy yep. like Porzingis, you see a guy who can exactly. get up and down. I don't know. So – from some degree, you know, I'm intrigued by that hire. I'm impressed that he is certainly yeah. better than Rambis, uh, but it's not sort of a no-brainer by any stretch. Uh, what, oh, was yeah. the, what was the other question that you had? Uh, just who, who the best – I mean, who the best hire was of this so far as far as the, the carousel is concerned or the coaching yeah. tree is concerned, Vogel. Let's give Orlando credit for getting Vogel. I mean – yeah. The Scott situation. Blessing in disguise. Blessing in disguise. What an utter disaster the Scott Skiles oh. era. Oh. I mean, oh. you know what you know what Vogel's first move should be? Building a time machine so he can get Tobias Harris back and, yeah. and try to get oh, maybe Channing, no. maybe try to get Channing Fry back because you know there you, you make all these short term dumb moves to kind of appease a guy like Scott Skiles to play his style and to get the vets that he wants. Yep. You know, and you and you send all of this talent out basically for nothing in return. And now you've got to re-scrap on the fly with a coach yeah. who, uh, you know, is kind of coming in from a different situation. So, I mean, Orlando, clearly their whole MO was going to be playing defense first. Vogel fits that. He's had proven success in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yep. Nice guy. I think he's going to work fine with management. To me, there should be a lot more attention on Orlando's management, a guy like Rob Hennigan. Yeah. What's this guy doing? He's sending, he's sending talent out every single direction. I mean, does he get – uh, a percentage of Mo Harkless's next contract because he's the one who just handed <laughs> up to Portland. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous. And you go through all their moves, and it's like the number of talent, number of guys who have been successful after leaving Orlando here in recent years is pretty unbelievable. So I think that should bring a lot of scrutiny. This coaching situation, you know, Skiles just bouncing so quickly, that doesn't really reflect very well on management. Uh, and I think it's time that he gets a little bit of heat, but nobody really cares yeah. about the magic, so he's going to probably skate through unscathed. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the Orlando thing is just a tricky situation. I don't, I don't understand what happened with Skiles. That whole, 
that that's a terrible situation. Um, well, look at, look at their lottery picks too. I mean, how many times have they drafted in a lottery these last five years? Yeah, and who well, who's hit? I mean, which of these guys do you really like? Yeah, they're they're all projects. I mean, uh, I think Alfred Payton has a ways to go offensively, defensively. He is known as a, a good defender as far as point guards are concerned. Um, but he's like the worst shooting uh, point guard in the league. I mean, oh, he's yeah, basically, you can't, you can't he's win basically like young Rondo, right? So what yeah. are you going to do with that? I mean, yeah. you look at Oladipo, he hasn't really panned. No. Vucevic is fine. I Aaron mean, Gordon, is he, he showed some signs of stuff later this season with the confidence boost to the dunk competition and such. But He could be the saving grace. You know, if Aaron Gordon really yeah. pans. But, again, what's his ceiling? Like, if he turns into Blake Griffin – now, who would you rather have, Blake Griffin or Draymond Green? It's sort of like, you know, that that question flipped like three years ago. You would have definitely said Blake Griffin because of his skills and everything. But now if you want power forwards who can put the ball on the deck, pass, yep. shoot from range, defend the rim. I mean, how many of those things does Aaron Gordon do? I don't yeah. Know. No, he do- yeah, he's definitely an intriguing player. I don't, I don't know if he does as many of those things as even a Blake Griffin does, even at his potential ceiling, you know. So you got to yeah, worry exactly. about that. Um, exactly right. Yeah, and then uh, so I'll, I'll leave you with a couple of questions. What do you think? Um, I'm going to go Blazers specific here. What do you think offseason Blazers moves look like? What do you think potential free agent moves look like? What do you think draft? Just potential offseason moves. Let's do that. <laughs> Anything besides Plumlee. You know, I, I think that that was the le- <laughs> I think that was the lesson from this second round series. You know, I was yeah. kind of bagging on uh, their front court all year long. Yeah, but let's—I mean, let's give credit to both Harkless and Aminu. I mean, those guys show they could be at least reasonable uh, rotation guys in a high-pressure series against hey, Golden State. Aminu was wonderful, man. He's the I best know, he's, player he's, he's your, ever. <laughs> I know he's your favorite player, uh, and even though they left him open, it didn't get into his head. I mean, he had his share of air balls, no. his share of planks, and everything else. But and his the numbers came out looking okay, and I, he wasn't oh, the weakest link. You know? Yeah, he wasn't the weakest link. It's interesting to me. I think Aminu is probably the most inconsistent three-point shooter that shoots a decent percentage. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I saw someone call him the highest variance, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, he should almost get a point every time he hits the rim because sometimes it's just air ball, sometimes he's just hitting the backboard, and then sometimes oh, it's switching right it's through. Bad. So who yeah. knows? But, uh, but. I think he solidified his spot. I think you can even start him oh, at the yeah. power forward next year, you know, and that's yeah. fine. It's not great, but it's fine. Uh, but the the real issue is Plumlee. I mean, you can't have a guy in there who's supposed to be getting by on his athleticism, just get yep. absolutely punked at the rim, play after play after play. Yep. And then once he's afraid to try to score because he's getting destroyed so much in the basket area, now he's looking to pass and not even looking at the rim. And yep. he's just not even that great defensively either. So, I'm actually in the camp that says like chase these free agent centers as hard as humanly possible. Throw yeah. max money at these guys, even if it's a Dwight Howard. Why not? I mean, what like the worst case scenario? Worst case. I think yeah. the worst case scenario with Dwight Howard is that you can't kind of come to terms with him on an offensive role, and he wants to shoot too much, he wants to isolate too much, and he kind of screws up your offense. I understand that that's a legitimate concern, but you know what? What's a bigger concern? Hoping that Plumlee is going to be your center of the future. That's yeah. a bigger concern. Yeah. So I think, you know, you go hard after him, you go hard, hard after Whiteside. I'm sure he's going to be very hard to get away from Miami. Yep. Uh, you go hard after Al Horford, you kind of cross your fingers and hope. Uh, and if you don't get those guys, then I think you're kind of stuck. You know, I, uh, you can try to make those second tier moves and, and, and plug and a little pieces here and there. Like that. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I think Golden State's going to do what they can to keep Azili. Keep Azili. You know, yeah. If I'm if I'm them, I trade Bogut and keep Azili. Like I pay Azili, and then I just trade Bogut's salary, like trade him to the Lakers, who team with cap space, and just yeah. get back a get back a draft pick or whatever. Um, yeah. So I don't know, like, but you got to find a five. I mean, I think that's the modus operandi sure. for the uh, for the summer for Portland. You got to find a better center. Definitely. And then the uh, the only other question I have, and I think we've discussed this off the record, but on the record, NBA draft, who are you choosing one and why? So I'm team Simmons uh, just because we have the same first name. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> no, it's fine. No, uh, you can go the Bill Simmons people, way. There you go. People can't see the uh, video. I think I got you, though. Um, no, I think <laughs> the reason why I like Ben Simmons is, uh, number one, you know, if you're the Sixers, you need hope above everything else. And yeah. your fans are already pretty low on patience. I mean, he's going to plug in and be an impact guy from day one, and his talent's going to be very evident immediately. Yeah. Uh, some of that's because he's a little bit older, uh, but some of that's just the nature of his game. I think, number two, you look at their roster, it's trash. I mean, these guys are terrible. Yeah. They're not good players. So everybody else is expendable on that roster. You can build – I mean, they're in a perfect situation. And Brian Colangelo really fell into it. I mean, talk about the all-time, like – let somebody else easiest do GM. Yeah. Yeah. It's like letting your brother rake up the entire yard. And then, you know, you give the bag of leaves to your mom and take the money. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. sort of like what he's done here. Right. Yep. Uh, so, but they're in position to, you know, they can completely uh, rebuild and retool the roster right around Ben Simmons' strength. So you find shooters, sure. uh, you find a rim protector, you find some good perimeter defenders so that you can just kind of hide Simmons in the corner and let him be your point forward. And you go for it. I think it's a pretty easy call. And also, if you've been doing the whole process game, tanking for three years, I mean, this is the kind of player that you tank for, right? He's the, supposedly the next LeBron. He's mm-hmm. the number one most ballyhooed draft prospect in a long yep. time. This is the whole point of tanking. So if you don't take him and you're going to take another project in Ingram, when you already have multiple young bigs, front court players who you're trying to like yeah. bring along – I just don't know if I see how that works. I do love Ingram's long-term potential. If he goes to the Lakers, it's going to be really fun to watch his rookie year next year in person. Yeah, uh, You really can't go wrong either way from the Lakers standpoint. They're, it's basically the 2007 Sonics all over for the Lakers because <laughs> you, you take Odin or Duran, whoever's left. I mean, and then, yeah. you know, it's the easiest call of all time. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I would go with Simmons at one. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. And I've uh, you've won me over as far as the debate goes there. Um I'm intrigued to see, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, Ben Simmons playing at the five. Have you even like considered like a Draymond Green s kind of like role with him at all? I don't think he's big enough to do that, and I don't think you really need to do that. I mean, if I were them, I would be looking for like the ideal big is like Sergi Baca from two years ago, right? Sure. So you get Sergi Baca as your center. He has got three point range. Yeah. Uh, and he's got the ability to protect the rim. You have Ben Simmons as your quote-unquote power forward, but really Four. he's your point guard. And then you have three wing defenders who are interchangeable and who can shoot threes, right? So, yeah. like, and that's a- guys like Alan Crabb, you get three of those guys, right? Yeah. Then that's your team, and you're awesome because you can protect the rim. You've got Simmons in position to just get up and down the court and be a super athletic freak. Sure. Uh, you've got his ability to kind of collapse the defense and shoot, uh, pass out to four shooters. Yep. And then the other guys, you're just asking them to fill roles. You're not asking them to do too much. I think that's a pretty clean team, and I think it would be re- also uh, underrated. It would be really fun to watch because if you can get up and down the court with Simmons and he's making these like showtime type passes, yeah, you're going to be selling a lot of tickets real quick. It's going to be fun to watch that. 
Definitely. Well, I think that's all I had for you, and uh, we're that's it. about time. I mean, yeah, what else do you want to talk about? You tell oh, me. Okay, let me <laughs> let me pepper you with some questions. Okay. All right. Uh, let me think of a couple here. Okay. So the number one that's been stumping me lately is if you had to start a franchise to – like, let's just say we're, like, training camp day one. If you had to start a franchise with LeBron or Steph, who do you start with? Carl Towns. What? <laughs> nah. So I'm, you have one. You have one nah, year. To win. I know. I know. Yeah. So like the. So we're, let's say you we're going to. One year to win. Forward. Okay. 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 Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna fast forward to next September. You're coming into training camp. You've got to win the 2017 title. Do you want Steph or LeBron? I want Steph. And ooh. Uh, so it's interesting because a lot everyone says LeBron, right? He's the best all around player. Okay. I get that. Um, but I think he. Uh, Based on his shooting percentage from the outside, he can really hinder a team's success if he doesn't have another star or two around him to give the ball to. And it's almost like – I feel like he's almost a black hole at times. Not all the time. Don't get me wrong. He's a great passer. He can pass the ball very well. But I think that with Steph, you get the creator. You get the pass-first option. And with LeBron, I think he's got a little bit more – confidence in him to take the ball to the rack or to I don't know just not divert to his teammates as much as someone like Steph like Steph I think in his brain and this is just a weird kind of assumption but I think in Steph's mind he wants to divert to somebody else right and he's fine with doing that I guess you could say he understands when to shoot and when not to shoot whereas LeBron he may dribble the ball at the top of the key for 15-16 seconds and you see him jack up a three that's just ill-advised and doesn't need to happen. Um, While LeBron can get up and down the court, he's probably a better defender overall. He can probably play one through five better. He probably fits a mold of a lot more teams' needs. If you have the right team around Stephen Curry, give it to Steph. Got you. That's my opinion. What's your your take on that? No, I mean, it's like an impossible question to answer. It is. I mean – But, no, you broke it down pretty well. So here's my next question for you. You're trying to start your, the five-man Olympic team. Who do you want to start on the USA Basketball's five-man Olympic team? So I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw out some candidates. Okay, okay. So obviously you. You know, Chris Paul's out. So you, you can choose for your guards. You can choose Steph, Russell, Clay, Harden. And if I'm an ultimate the, Blazer fan, I'm choosing Damian Lillard. No, I'm just or kidding. Damian Lillard. I'm, I'm joking. Sure. I'm joking. Uh, I guess you, you can throw him in the mix. Then for yeah. your wings, you've got Kawhi, Kevin Durant, LeBron. And then for your centers, you've got Draymond Cousins. And then we don't know about Anthony Davis. Let's throw Anthony Davis out because he might Towns be Towns in there too? No. You, uh, uh, no, Towns, Towns is, is not a – Yeah. He's out of yeah. out of state or out of the United States, isn't he? Yeah, we're going to have to figure out some way to get him a, a second passport. A second passport? Yeah, exactly. So here's my pick. Okay. Center, center Draymond Green. Yep. Uh, power forward, LeBron James. Gosh. Small forward – uh, I'm going Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I'm going Clay and Steph in the backcourt. Uh, I think I would probably do the exact same starting line. I don't think I have an interchangeable piece there. What are the centers that you listed? Okay, so here's the guys you could try to put in. You could either try to put in Cousins. You could try to put in Harden. You oh, could there try you to go. Put... I'll make the case for Cousins. That's that's the only change I would make for that. So you're going to put rather... – Cousins, Cousins over Draymond? In. Yeah. Oh, man. See, I'd go Draymond 10 times out of 10. I love 10. Draymond. I love Draymond. I like him. Yeah. Uh, it's just um, 
he just fits with a certain class of player. And I think with LeBron and KD and all the different aspects of that team, I don't know if he fits that as well. Um, he's willing to do whatever it takes, though. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's a hard choice. Here's my argument for Draymond. I mean, number one, he's got an unbelievable – he's a good three-point shooter. Now he gets a shorter line, right? Yep. Number two, like they love to push the pace. USA Basketball is just trying to ram the ball down yeah. your throat. And so now he can do that Blake Griffin thing where he grabs a defensive rebound or he gets the steal or he gets the block and he just takes off. Now imagine Draymond running a break where you've got Clay and Steph both spotting up on his <sighs> left. And you've got KD spotting up in the right corner. And then you got LeBron trailing. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's forget nasty. about it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then also, just defensively, uh, I think he's a better defensive player than Cousins. So that's that's kind of how I feel about that. I actually think the toughest question is whether how do you pick two between Kawhi, uh, LeBron, and KD? Because I think you could make an argument. Well, if you put if you have both Clay and Kawhi in your starting lineup, now you yeah. just lock down whoever the offense. Yep. Like whoever the other team's two best players are, you can just forget about them. They're off I don't the think court. You, I don't think you have to worry about them either way, though. I mean, like the, the way the Olympics are ran, I mean, the U.S. just runs through this stuff so well, easily. Yeah, this is but all just for fun because yeah, they're going to win regardless. If they're playing we don't, Team USA 2, yeah. uh, that would be more of the competition that you'd be talking about. But, yeah. We're arguing how you win by 40 or 45 points. I mean, exactly. clearly that's the go. nature of the division. It's more about, like, which five do you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I may and, make and do, the case for Harden, by the way. I may make okay. the case for Harden. And the only reason I say that is uh, in, in typical USA basketball, like the form that he's been in for USA basketball, it's pretty impressive. Like the, oh, the yeah. things he does for USA basketball. I haven't seen Clay play much for USA basketball, so I really don't – I can't speak to it uh, as much as I can Harden. But he does have a past and a history with USA basketball of being the performer or being the person who comes up big when they need it. Uh, well – when they want it, I guess, because they don't really need it. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a case to be made for Harden because uh, he is a terrific offensive player. And he tends to lock in when he's playing around talent, too. I yeah. think that's part of it. Sometimes maybe he when, when he drifts, it's maybe because he loses contact with some of his teammates. Very uh, true. Very and, true. Oh, my gosh. And that, that kind of helps. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me think if I got any other stumpers. Okay. I'm trying to give you all the toughest questions that I get in interviews that uh, – have made me think okay so if you're uh if you're the cavaliers you definitely want to face the thunder and not the warriors right or very true are you gonna make or do you want to make the other argument that says to validate the title you have to beat the warriors because they beat you last year now nah, you, you see so i'm not gonna make that argument i i, I think you don't need to value whoever you beat in the western conference you have fully beaten them i give cleveland the cavaliers the title Either way you go with Oklahoma City or Golden State, I think they're very, very good teams. I, I don't think you should be discounted for that. Okay, how many My more opinion. years? I like that. No, I, I'm agreeing. How, how many years do you think LeBron should play? Two. Oh. So, it, so, if he does, so if he doesn't get a title this year and he doesn't get a title next year, you're saying just retire? Yeah. I, so, well, that depends. If he gets a ring, I mean, it's that, that, that's the whole conversation, right? Once he gets a ring in Cleveland, I think he doesn't need to win anymore. I really don't. But so just like, sunset, just straight to sunset. the sunset. Sunset. Wow. Well, well, so hold on a second. So if he wins this season, he should play next season, right? But okay. what I'm saying is two, I would give him two seasons maximum to win that next ring. Is that what I'm – does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. So the next would, two seasons, so 20, 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019. So 2019, call it a career whether you've got one or not. Interesting. 
Yeah, I was arguing with someone this about about this today. Like, I could see him just being fine and leaving the game at like age thirty three because there's exactly. just nothing, there's nothing else left to accomplish. But I could also see him being like the most entertaining forty four year old NBA player <laughs> in the history of the game, and like he could legitimately still be an all star until yeah. he's forty. Like, just think about Duncan, right? Like, Duncan oh. was was always a really good player. Like, he had elements of athleticism and all that to his game. Mm. But like the, but not Le, not LeBron level. Yeah. So if Duncan can hang on until he's forty, basically, yep. and he could still keep going. What's stopping LeBron from like being the oldest player in NBA history? You know, there, there's another question though to be had with that because I don't know if LeBron's game matures as well as like Duncan's. Duncan well, can't he play? Can he play the same job? He could be a power forward or a center, and just hang out in the paint. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean. uh yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, that, that makes sense, yeah. Because um, my thinking was LeBron really doesn't rely on his shooting very often. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, the shooting's shoot, already gone. It's already gone, and he's not even, you know, past his prime technically. Uh, but, you know, that's where my fear comes in. If it becomes a – like, it's already became a, a shooting a shooting league. And so if you've got a shooting league and you have LeBron there, um, just where does he fit in? But if you just want to put him at center and play kind of that Draymond Green, like help out where I can kind of roll, that that seems fine to me. He could probably play until he's 45 if he wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're basically going to make him into like a playmaking power forward. And I just don't know if LeBron takes that attitude towards it. That's my fear. It's it's It comes down to basically his ego and his willingness yeah. to not be the number one guy because I, you're, you're going to have to have somebody else. <laughs> and I don't know if he can do that. I don't think he can. I just, I do not see it. Just the comments that he made previously in the, I don't I know you heard the MVP comments that he made about oh, Steph. Yeah. That clearly indicates to me that he's got a problem um, stepping down to somebody. And uh, 100%. But you, can you blame him? No, no. He's unbelievable. I mean, it's ridiculous. But give it, give it. He definitely took some plays off on defense this season. Oh, and, well. And, and, and I'm not saying he took – and I'm not saying Steph doesn't either. But to the extent of, like, if you want to be able to prove yourself as the, as the best player in the league, you better be putting it on every night, I think, in my opinion. And I don't think he does that every night. I think he – you know. Yeah. It's, I, think, I think he looks at it like he did that for about eight straight years. Better and than almost – yeah. Better than almost anybody else's eight straight years. And he knows, like, he's going to be able to sweep through the playoffs regardless. Sure. So I kind of understand it. And that's why I think, you know, it's fair to vote Steph as the MVP and then to still think that LeBron had his best as the best, the best player, player in the league. league. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're parsing and it's semantics. I get it. But I think both those things can be true without yeah. being, like, you know, mutually exclusive. Most valuable player. What does it mean? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I, I've always thought this it, – it should it, it should be – uh, yeah, the player that changes his team the most from losing to winning. Like, if you were to take LeBron off the Cavs and you were to take Curry off the off the Golden State Warriors, that's who it should be. But in well, this, then you're saying it's LeBron because yes, no, I mean, that 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 is. You just saw what the Warriors look like without Steph. They look pretty damn they good. They look pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. So I'm yeah. I'm with that thinking in my mind. But cool. I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind Curry winning the award because I feel okay. like they won seventy three games. So here's my thing. If you're okay with thinking that, then why can't LeBron say it? He can say it. I'm not saying okay. he can't. All right, good. Not, I just want to be sure. Should, no, 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 no. I'm not yeah. mad at LeBron for saying it. Okay. I'm saying that that shows his ego, right? And that shows where he's not willing to step down. That yeah. was my point. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does. My thing is him standing up for himself in this conversation, I think that's a sign of a healthy ego. 
I think sometimes he can cross into the unhealthy ego side. He I does. get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that that's the situation here. I think he was just standing up for himself. And I think sure. he's, got a really, he's got a really strong case. But we saw what happened to Cavaliers when he left. I mean, it was complete shambles. You know, yeah. it was not even a team. I mean, you had – remember when Deion Waiters was, like, punching Kyrie oh, Irving? Man. It was a nightmare. Yeah, that's, like, that's terrible. That's how bad it went, you know. And LeBron comes back and it's immediately restored to a final sure. team. But – Potential champion. But, see, here's the other thing that I have a problem with. People think that this team would be not a playoff team, potentially, if they didn't have LeBron. In my opinion, I think they definitely would be. And that's just my opinion. They have two top 15 players in Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. And if two of the top 15, you should be able to win more than 44 games or thereabouts. Well, Kyrie's win percentage before LeBron got there was just atrocious. Yeah, terrible, terrible. And I, I think he's exactly the kind of player who benefits the most from playing with LeBron. But their entire defensive identity and competitiveness and confidence goes away from, if LeBron's not there. Yeah. And now you've got two guys who've never won anything before they got to Cleveland, you know, before they got sure. there with LeBron. Now you're trying to pair those two guys up. I mean, they're going to be a strong offensive team. Do they have enough defensively? I'm not sure. I think that they'd be pretty close. I mean, the the – Competition for that East Eighth seed this year was stronger than usual, but none of those teams were anything really right at home. But I mean, Indiana made the playoffs with a lot less than Kyrie and Kevin yeah. Love, and so yeah. I think that they'd be right there. Um, but you know, in and, terms and, of the number of wins, I mean, you're talking at least fifteen. Yeah, Rob, and know? then the other thing is, I know we've seen Steph for uh, the, the Golden State Warriors without Steph, but we have seen them for a full season without Steph. And if Steph wasn't there at all, where would they be? Because that, to me, is another question as well. That, that's just, you know, we're getting on here. But uh, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say probably they're at least a 50-win team without Steph. Okay. Um, but 50 wins in the West gets you – how many wins do they have? 73. So, I mean, uh, you know, and at that point, is, is he so, – Yeah. I mean, 73 is just such a ridiculously high number that's almost like apples to oranges, and that is a real test – to Steph's, you know, overwhelming impact. Yeah. Him and Draymond together is just a ridiculous combination. But, yeah, I, crazy. I think no. they're still – they could be a 55-point team because you've got Clay. I mean, we saw what Clay looks like without Steph. Oh. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's nuts. And you've got, yep. you've got an elite defense, and you've got a lot of depth. So, yeah, you know, I, I, think, know. There's, I think there's still a lot better than Cleveland without LeBron for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see it. No, Definitely. Uh, I was just, you know, like win loss wise. I don't know if it's as undramatic, I guess you could say, as people make it up to be. They'd be the same team without Steph. I don't, I don't think that's no, possible. heck no, heck no, heck no. Steph is really. This playoffs has proven that though. I think a lot of people have and mentioned to me like, oh, they'd be almost the same team without Steph. They're pretty really? good without him. Yeah, because it's like, look at what you know, look what they're doing in the playoffs without Steph. I mean, they beat the Trailblazers four one, and they've only had Steph for what two games in that. Um, well, all you need to do is play them over time from game four. Exactly. There you go. You know, <laughs> I, I think that answers that. Yeah. Because the Warriors without Steph, I mean, Steph scored basically oh, every, every point they had. Yeah. And he outscored Portland by himself, you know. And, it's, and then he it, it, it's, an, it's incredible. It's ridiculous. I, I've never seen someone take over a game like that ever. I mean, like that Oklahoma City game in the midseason where he hits that. Like, just ridiculous. And it's just a coach would say he would never take that shot and he takes it anyways. And it's like, you know, what are you doing at the time? Like when he shot that, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what are you doing? 
and then he hits it. It's like, all right, this is fine. Well, you know what's really funny? Remember how everybody used to bag on Mark Jackson for like, oh, you know, oh, he yeah. realize what Steph could do? Yeah. Honestly, Steve Kerr being out for the first half of the season and just like rolling with Luke Walton, who just his philosophy on life is just like, you know, surfer. Yeah. It's like basically do whatever you want, have whatever shot bro, you want. Broke coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, didn't that – I mean, isn't that a huge reason why yeah. Steph just shattered the three-point record? Because yeah. he just he didn't really have to deal with the coach care. telling him what a bad shot was. He just kind of do whatever he wanted. Yep. And then they realized that, like, any shot that he takes is still an efficient shot, even if it's from 35 feet. Yeah. So, I mean, I think to me, like, that's a big takeaway. Like, the less coaching you coach a guy like Steph, the better. The better. Yep, let him do. I think Steve Kerr kind of realized that when he came back. It was like, well – I might have been hard on his shot selection before, but uh, now I'm just going to let him. <laughs> let him do his thing. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. It's, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, well, it's been good, man. Uh, no more questions, I think. I mean, I don't know. You, you don't have any more stumpers for me, I'm assuming. So. Oh, I've been throwing all my best material at you, and you passed all of it. So, Well, I don't know if I passed anything, but uh, I do my best. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk soon, man. Um, I'll probably see you at the summer league is my assumption um probably 100%. be down there so i'll probably be down there and uh yeah man look forward to talking soon all right good times take all care right. man thanks man calvin valentine Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.